Baptist cutoff dates. Uh, there are some of you here this morning that if it weren't Sunday and you weren't here sitting in church, uh, you would be at home packing up your Christmas tree and not letting it see the light of day until at least after Thanksgiving. Or maybe if we could think of it another way, um, if we were to sing a song about the resurrection in July, you wouldn't think anything of it. But if we were to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing in September, there would be an uproar. It's not Christmas. We can't sing that yet. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get you to listen to Christmas music in September. Uh, but at the same time, I think that we should be able to think about the importance of the Lord Jesus coming to this earth any time of year. And so even though Christmas is over, that's what I would like for us to do this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew in chapter 1. Now in, in Matthew 1, 18 to 25, I want to draw out a theme from these verses to show the importance of the presence of Christ in our lives. So my main point for this morning is going to be simply, God is with us. But I also want us to look at what the fact that God is with us means for today, and, and, and how the presence of Christ continues with us. Just as a reminder, as we move on from Christmas, that the presence of Christ in our lives is a comforting and empowering reality for us in this fallen world. So let's go ahead and read from Matthew 1. We'll be reading 18 through 25. And it says this. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, the glorious reality that is before us this morning is the sending of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. As he took on flesh and lived a perfect life, he did so in light of the cross. 
And so we ask, God, that you would help us to consider these realities this morning. The fact that God is with us. We ask, God, for wisdom and insight from your word. We pray that you would empower us by your spirit to understand, but, but not just to be hearers, but to be doers. We are indeed so thankful for the ability we have to gather here this morning, the ability we have to read your word in a language we can understand, and to hear it explained. I pray, God, that you would help me to be faithful in rightly dividing the word of truth, and that you would help, uh, help me to, to speak the truth in love. I'm thankful for this opportunity, and I pray that you'd be glorified in it. And so again, we pray and ask that you would be with us in this time, and that you would fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus, who has indeed come to us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard the words, I promise? Now, I'm, I'm sure you have. And I'm sure that you also say them regularly. These words, I promise, are, are often accompanied by some sort of action. The wrapping of pinkies. The spitting on hands, uh, maybe not for most of us, or, or what I can hope is only reserved for the movies, drawing blood and, and shaking as if to show what would happen were you to break the promise. But here's the thing, promises are broken. And, and as sure as I am that you've heard these words, I'm also sure that you've been let down by these words. That is, someone promised something and they didn't come through. A gift under the Christmas tree. Time together, uninterrupted by the cares of your schedule. Maybe, maybe even being on time for dinner or something larger like Sharing a struggle with a brother or sister in confidence that doesn't end up being in confidence. I'm sure you've been let down by these words in part simply because of the existence of, of all the ways that I've explained. The pinky promise. Our words aren't enough, so they must be further shown to be earnest with some sort of action. Our words are cheap, so we raise the stakes to show that we're trustworthy, and yet, promises are broken. And so maybe, maybe that's what makes Christmas so difficult. Maybe that's what makes celebrating Christmas difficult at times. Christmas is rooted in a promise. The promise is that God the Father will send God the Son to restore the relationship that was broken in the garden. As early as Genesis 3.15, we see the promise when Moses writes of the offspring of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. Our experience, though, 
with promises wrongly causes us to mistrust God's ability to come through on what He has promised. And what is promised in part in Christmas is the presence of God with His people. Now in the history of redemption, this has been foreshadowed in many ways. We could get, again, go back to the garden. God walks with Adam and Eve. We could move forward and, and we can see the tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple in Jerusalem. God has always been present with His people in some way. But prior to the first Christmas, when Jesus took on flesh and dwelt among us, never in this unique way. In verses 18 to 25 of Matthew 1, we see God fulfilling His promise to us, His promise to be with us. And, and in Matthew 1, it, it's quoting Isaiah, and the promise that, that Isaiah is prophesying was made some 700 years earlier. The book of Isaiah was written in the 700s B.C., between the dates of King Uzziah's death in 739 and Sennacherib's attack on Judah in 701. So, so somewhere in that time frame. But either way, 700 years And in that, we see Isaiah promising of one to come named Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now Matthew then walks through the events surrounding the birth of Jesus in the fulfillment of that promise. So look at verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, Isaiah's prophecy promised three things. Firstly, that a virgin shall conceive. Secondly, it's going to be a son. And thirdly, his name will be Emmanuel. Matthew shows all three of these things are fulfilled in Jesus. Mary and Joseph were betrothed, which means that they were legally committed to be married, but were not yet married. And so that means that they had not yet come together. In, in these two ways, Matthew shows Mary to be a virgin. But in case that's not clear enough, he goes on to say exactly how the child has been conceived. By the Holy Spirit. Now this is a crucial detail to the story, but it's also an important doctrine to the Christian faith. Mary and Joseph did not conceive this child outside of wedlock. In fact, Joseph played no part at all in the conception of the baby in Mary's womb. Now purity is at stake in this, but it's also important because of what it says about the child conceived. That he is conceived of the Holy Spirit means that he does not inherit the sin nature of the Father passed down from Adam to all who are conceived by human means. Since neither Joseph nor any man 
fathered this child, Jesus did not inherit the sin nature passed on in normal, everyday means of conception. And so this speaks to the nature of the one who is in Mary's womb. He is truly God and truly man. He has no human father, but is rather miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by normal human means. And so if he had been conceived by normal human means, we would not believe that he is truly God. But at the same time, had Jesus not been born of a woman, we would not believe that he is truly man. And yet he needed to be both. So that as God, he could be the perfect, spotless substitute. But then as man, he could pay the penalty for the ones that he came to be like. And so we believe what the angel says. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so for this reason, as we see in verses 19 to 20, Joseph remains betrothed to Mary as he too believes the angel who confirms Mary's innocence. He keeps his commitment to her because Mary had not been promiscuous or impure. The Holy Spirit miraculously brought life into her womb. Now, is this, is this hard to believe? Is, it, is this hard to explain? Absolutely. But do we need to come up with some sort of naturalistic explanation for this? No. It should be no surprise to us that the God who spoke all things into being, the world and everything in it, out of nothing would also be able to speak into being life in the womb of a virgin. If we had more time, we could go on to consider the theme of barrenness in the Old Testament. We could look at how God brought life in the womb of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and, and how those instances are pointing to God bringing life in the womb of a virgin. And we could see that this is nothing new for God. But by bringing life in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit, what we see happening is that God is coming through on His promise to be God with us. The promise that's spoken by the prophet Isaiah that a virgin shall be a son. A virgin shall conceive that it will be a son and finally... That his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Isaiah prophesies and, and Matthew reiterates that you shall call his name Emmanuel, they're not saying that that will be his given name, like my name is Aaron. They're saying that Emmanuel will describe his character, it will describe what he is like. And remember, Emmanuel means God with us, as Matthew reminds us in the text. 
And so we, we just ask the question, who will this unique child be? As we've already seen, he will be God because of the miraculous circumstances of his conception. But not only that, he will be God with us. The Lord Jesus, eternally existing as the second person of the Trinity, takes on flesh and is God with us. Make no mistake about it. The birth of Jesus in this way is is not another God coming into existence. It is the God who has always been, who has always existed, becoming like us in every way, yet without sin. The eternal Son becomes human Son as He is born in a manger that first Christmas. And, and, and what is amazing about this is that the God who created all things lies helpless in a virgin's arms as she counts his fingers and toes. And yet all the while, he's upholding the universe by the word of his power. God becomes man. So that as John 1 says, that he could dwell among us and reveal to us the glory of God. Jesus, in in his coming in the flesh, makes visible the invisible God so that by his fullness we could receive grace upon grace. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, we see why this is so important. It says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus comes to this earth in the flesh for the purpose of saving his people from their sins. So that, that means that, that he is God with us to be God for us and for our salvation. The promised presence of God with us is fulfilled in the birth of Jesus so that any who would place their faith in him would be, would be saved from their sins. Do you find trusting the promises of God difficult sometimes? Let me just remind you, I found this helpful in trusting the promises of God. Mitch Chase, a pastor in Kentucky, says this, 2,000 years after Abraham heard of a seed, 1,400 years after Moses learns of a prophet, 1,000 years after David hopes for a future king, 700 years after Isaiah tells of a sun-bearing virgin, 600 years after Daniel speaks of a stone, and nine months after Gabriel appears to Mary, Jesus is born. Do you realize God comes through on his promises? It may take a while, 2,000 years for Abraham, 
1,400 for Moses, 1,000 for David, 700 for Isaiah. And yet he comes through. And, and by coming through on the promise to be God with us, salvation is available to any who would place their faith in the promised one. Now, if, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I wonder if you have truly considered the importance of what I'm saying. The fact of the matter is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and this sin separates us from a perfectly holy God. And so without the work of Jesus, the one who is truly God and truly man, we are all left without hope. But thanks be to God that Jesus came to this earth, that he was made like us, that he remained sinless, and that he died a sacrificial death to pay the debt that we could not pay. And if you would place your faith in him, his righteousness would be given to you, and your sins will be forgiven. So come to the one who has come to us and find your sins forgiven in him. If you would like to talk more about this, please find me after the service or just simply turn to the person next to you. And so what then does this truth mean for us who believe? God is with us. The one who came is not only God, but he is God available to us because he is like us. And so that is to say the promised presence of Jesus is available to you today. God is not far off and distant. Rather, he is near to us. That means that God is not unacquainted with the struggles of life in the flesh, but that he is acquainted with our temptations and yet without sin. God came to us and was made like us in every way, so that in every way we could come to him as our source of help in this world. Do you have aches and pains? Jesus has a body, just like you and has felt the pain of this fallen world? Do you have sorrow and grief in your life? Isaiah calls Jesus a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Do you have weaknesses? And do you face temptation? Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but... One who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. The fact that Jesus came to us means that we can go to Him who understands our pain, our struggle, our hurt, our mess, and trust Him. And in all the pain and hurt, He is with us. God is with us because He took on flesh and dwelt among us. He is Emmanuel, God 
with us. The birth of Jesus in this way fulfills the promised presence of God with us. But there are two problems that make it seem like this promise is not true. The first one is the crucifixion, and the second one is the ascension. So, so first, Jesus died on a cross. And, and as, as Zay says when he doesn't understand something, what? It's just really cute. How does that work? How, how can Jesus be with us if he dies? Well, he rose from the grave. So yes, Jesus died, but, but as truly God and truly man, because he was sinless, death, had no hold on him. Sin had no claim against him. And so, do you get that? The the wages of sin is death, but Jesus had no sin. So he takes ours. He pays the wage. And he gets up out of the grave. When there was no more debt, death was defeated. And he rose up. So, so he was able to continue being with us because he rose from the grave. And that's why Jesus reiterates the promise to be with us in Matthew 28, bookending the Gospel of Matthew with the promised presence of the Lord Jesus. As we've already seen, he promised to be God with us, but then in the final verses of Matthew, he promises to be God with us for all eternity. Eugene already read these verses, but... But let's read them again. Matthew 28, 18-20 says, And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this passage contains important instructions for us as followers of Jesus. And when Jesus says that all authority has been given to him, whatever comes next, we better pay attention to. His instructions pertain to what our task is as his followers, namely making disciples by telling others of the work of Jesus and calling them to believe in light of everything that Jesus teaches in his word. That's our task. But what is stunning about this passage is that Jesus promises again to be with us. And so as we go about the task of making disciples, we are encouraged by the promised presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise God, because that is an impossible task in our own strength. We can't do what God calls us to do apart from His power and presence. But that may cause you to ask, so where is He? And and that's exactly the right question to ask. Because we see in the book of Acts that He ascended into heaven. And so His body is not here. And so what does Jesus mean when he promises to be Emmanuel, when he promises to be God with us to the end of the age. 
In my opening remarks, I briefly mentioned that, that God has always been about being with his people. He was with Adam and Eve in the garden, but sin separated them from him. Then there was the tabern- tabernacle, which was temporary, and it was a movable place of meeting with God. And then there was the temple, which seemed better because it was a permanent structure, but both the tabernacle and the temple had the same problem. Only select people at specific times could go into the place where the presence of God was in a unique way. And so that is to say the presence of God among his people was always mediated in some way. Always mediated by priests or certain times of the year. And so then we, we should ask, how then is Jesus with us even to the end of the age after he ascends into heaven? Well, firstly, what is the ascension? Acts 1, 7-11 defines it for us. It says this, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, he ascended, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up, who ascended from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The ascension of Jesus is Jesus being lifted up into heaven to sit down at the Father's right hand where He presently rules and reigns until His return. So that means Jesus is no longer bodily present on this earth. And so I ask again, how is He with us? The answer is found in John 16, verse 7, which says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Helper is the Holy Spirit. And and in fulfillment of another promise made by Joel, about a hundred years before the prophecy of Isaiah, so 800 years before this event takes place in, in John 16, We see the promise of the Holy Spirit as fulfilled at Pentecost. Acts 2-4 shows the promise fulfilled when it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The amazing truth about the filling of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in you. What what formerly was only able to be experienced by select people at specific times is now available to any who would place their faith in Jesus. Jesus goes away 
to send the Spirit in fulfillment of the promise of Isaiah that the virgin would conceive and bear a son whose name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Because when Jesus ascends into heaven, He sends the Holy Spirit to be in Christians. So if, if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. Do you know what that means? You don't have to go to a temple anymore to be near God because you are the temple. God has taken up residence inside you and so by the Holy Spirit you have the constant, never-lacking presence of Christ in you. What used to be localized to the Holy of Holies is now the everyday experience of Christians. But there's a danger to that. The everyday experience can be taken for granted. And we can forget that without the presence of, and power of God, we cannot accomplish what He has called us to do. And that brings us back to the final two verses of our passage in Matthew. In verses 24 and 25 we read, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph trusted God and got to work. He woke up and obeyed. And, and then this just causes me to ask the question of you. What might obedience look like for you? What might it look like for you to trust the Word of God? For you to trust the promise of God? And I think we can easily miss the humble obedience of Joseph. God reveals his will to Joseph through an angel. And Joseph obeys. And in the same way, God has given us his word. God's word is clear on, on what he would require of us. And so we, we have his word so that we can know him, but also so that we can obey him. And so like Joseph, we must obey the Word of God. And remember, we have the promised presence of God in us to enable us to obey. Because remember, the task that we have as Christians will not be accomplished in our own power. But praise God that God is with us we don't have to do it in our own power. God has supplied all we need to do all that He has called us to do. He supplied it by coming to us and being with us. And how amazing is that? The presence of God with us is comforting and it's an empowering reality for us in this fallen world. 
One pastor said it this way. Before Christ, God had come in cloud and fire, in miracle and plague, in wind, earthquake, darkness, and light. But that night, he came in a baby. His mother rocked him in her arms, and he had nothing. Now, he holds us in his arms, and we have everything. The promise of the Father to send the Son has been fulfilled. There are no broken promises in God. But there is still one that we're waiting, waiting to be fulfilled. The Lord Jesus is coming back. This time, instead of Him coming to be with us, He will take us to be with Him for all eternity. But until then, we wake up and get to work. We trust the promise of God and obey what He has called us to do. And so may we be found faithful to do all God has called us to do, relying on His promised presence and power to do it. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you've sent your Son, and that together with your Son, you have sent your Spirit. Help us to live in the power that you provide. May we rejoice in the presence of God with us, and be faithful to all that you call us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.